The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Dangerous World Podcast. It feels like it's been a minute since I have gotten on and done an episode like this for some reason. It really hasn't been long. Um, I did back-to-back Monday Night Master Debaters releases. Um, I was two weeks behind on those, man. So I wanted to get to where I was actually three weeks behind. So I wanted to get to where I was only uh, one week behind the Great Deceptions, Matt, and how he releases those. Um, but we're kind of back to the old groove here and we're doing like the, the bread and butter, which is, you know, the geopolitics and all the crazy undertakings of all these weirdos that, uh, really don't seem to have your best interest in mind. And it sure seems like they think that we are subservient to them when we're supposed to be the ones that elect them, right? They're supposed to be employees of us, public servants, servants being the key word. Now, I was really, really honored here, not only to talk with my buddy, Colorado Dank, um, but a new person that you may have heard on other shows. She always brings massive amounts of fire. Um, Really, really smart woman. And, um, you know, just a a real, real honor to speak with her. And we hit it off, man. We've um, we'll hopefully be talking again in the future. It sounds like we will be. Um, we've stayed in contact since the episode. I didn't scare this one off, which I'm really happy about. Um, seem to scare off a lot of guests that come on the show. But I'm, of course, talking about Susan Bradford. Um, she's written some incredible books. Royal Blood Lies was one that I know that she was promoting pretty heavily uh, when that came out. And I've heard her speak on that. And then also Tartar Treachery, which is um, another really, really great book. Um, a new one that she was plugging. Uh, has a longer title, but uh, the shortened shortened title of it is The End of Globalism. And it refers to Trump and the Trump family and basically how uh, the New World Order got everything that they wanted by electing Trump. Now, I encourage you guys to at least, at the very least, listen to more of her appearances on other podcasts. She really is a fast talker. She gets information, boom, 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 constantly pumped out. And um, does some research that I haven't heard anyone else doing. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it, like I said, I can't tell you how much of an honor it was. And I'm really flattered that she's actually still in contact with me. Um, we've spoken on the phone. We've spoken through email. Um, just a, a truly great, great researcher. And um, seems very critical of those that she doesn't think are spreading accurate information. So, again, very honored that uh that we're going to be working more together um i don't want to bore you too much with that and uh you know all the butt kissing and whatnot but um what we talk about here i heard her on a show recently and i'm going to try and get in contact with this individual as well um that that ran the show but i heard her talking on a show about tulsi gabbard and how she is kind of not so secretly but um she's hindu right i mean they they she definitely isn't shy about talking about this stuff. Tulsi, that is. Um, but I heard her talking about Tulsi and her, you know, kind of how Hinduism is this secret religion of the elite 
and there's a lot of weird, weird symbolism that goes on with Hinduism. Um, by the way, if you are a Patreon subscriber, I did under the middle tier, that $5 tier there for you guys, I did sort of a dive on some occult aspects of Hinduism. Um, I was blowing my fucking mind when I was reading through um, just some stuff that's on some great sources online. I mean, the internet is a great tool for a lot of these things. And I'm not the biggest religious scholar, obviously. I mispronounce religions all the time. But um, what I came across is very interesting. So um, if you're not a Patreon subscriber, I totally understand money is hard to come by. I used to troll a lot of people like, fuck you, you need to listen. Things are different now, okay? Things are different than they were last year. I get it, okay? Um, but now's a good time if you want to come check it out. Um, we, we are doing some cool stuff over there. Um, but I, 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 I recommend that if you are already a Patreon subscriber or if you, you know, want to get into it, um, listening to that first. Now, you don't have to. Like I said, um, this is a, a mind-blowing episode on its own. But I do talk about some of that, the occult aspects and some of the more cultish aspects of Hinduism, the black magic, the, um, you know, demons, the avatars, and some of these things, some different sects of um, Hinduism, and just some weird, weird shit that I found. Um, it's, I haven't recorded it yet, so I'm guessing it's about 30 minutes to 45 minutes. Um, but by the time you're hearing this, it's like I'm time traveling right now. By the time you're hearing this, that episode is on the Patreon, and I absolutely recommend that if you're already there or if you're interested, go check that out first. Um, and then, of course, the full version of the episode is on there. I don't even think I said the name. Patreon.com slash Dangerous World Podcast. You probably already know that because I plug it every time. You know, I'm trying to do this thing full time. And um, with the research that's going to be coming out here soon, um, I don't feel like I'm asking for shit that I don't deserve. You know what I mean? This is um, this is fun stuff, man. And we have some topics that are in the pipeline and some guests potentially that are going to blow your mind. So uh, that's what I intend to do. Um, tell your friends about the show, man. If you if you can't support the show monetarily, which again I understand, tell friends about the show. Uh, very least you can do leave some five star reviews um, on Apple. I think Spotify has adopted that review method now. Take your friends' phones, take your mom's phones, leave reviews. I want them to be scared with how obsessed you are with leaving reviews for my show. I want them to consider putting you in a home because you're not t- stopping to talk about Dangerous World Podcast. I want them to think that you're schizophrenic. I want them to think that you are clinically insane and they question why they had you in the first place as your parents. I want them to really sit back and say, what did we, where did we go wrong? Why is this kid of ours talking about this crazy podcast where they talk about all kinds of weird shit? Um, do that, okay? It's the least you can do. I want, <laughs> I want them to think that... Uh, that they made a mistake, okay, to say the least. But no, in all in all honesty, guys, um, tell tell some people about the show. Leave reviews; it helps. You have no idea how much that helps. And um, yeah, dangerousworldstore.com is where you go to get merch. I am behind big time with work. Um, I have some designs coming out for the psyop shirt. I lied; I said they were already out. I thought they would be. Time freaking flies, guys. Time flies. It's insane. There's not enough hours in the damn day. It seems. And uh, days are getting longer out here, but it's just, I mean, it's, it's late. It's already late. But no, I'm going to get this um, this Hinduism thing. I've already got my notes, and it's an interesting, interesting deal. So I'm looking through it right now, just the um, the cannibalism, the animal abuse. All this stuff is is dark, and it sure does seem like a demonic religion. Now, to be clear, a lot of Hindus are great people. There are a lot, a lot of great people, but there are black magic roots to the mantras the yantras and the tantras so uh that's a little preview but yes that is sort of like the uh, holy trinity it seems of hinduism in a way in a way um but without further ado i do want to roll into this episode um it's all over the place we talk about trump a little bit we talk about desantis a little bit um we talk about the globalist plan we talk about the new world order we talk about a lot because i kind of wanted you if you don't know her already to sort of get an idea of where she stands on these things and just look forward to some deep dives with her in the future. We're definitely going to be talking um, 
And I'm excited for that. Very, very excited. And I'm excited to hear what you think about this. So if you enjoyed it or if you just like thought I hyped it up too much, let me know. Um, an episode that I'm very, very proud of. And thanks to uh, Colorado Dank for adding his two cents in about Hinduism. She actually commented back to me in one of the emails. Uh, if you're listening, CD, um, that you're that you're on that your information was on point. It was very, very good. And uh, yeah, it was just an incredible episode, guys. So enjoy this. You know what to do. Talk to you very soon, guys. Enjoy the episode. Well, folks, I have been extremely excited for this episode here. Um, heard Miss Susan Bradford speak on uh, quite a few other shows and getting into really, really interesting topics. And most recently, I heard you on the Common Sense Show with Dave Hodges, who I'm really coming around to. I was actually real skeptical of him in the beginning, um, but I'm a big, big fan of Dave Hodges lately. And uh, we're going to talk about a lot of the same things that you that you touched on there. Obviously, we're going to expand. And um, then uh, Colorado Dank is joining us because I think that the information that you study a lot um, is going to overlap with what we talk about here today. So first of all, Susan, how are you doing? Hi, uh, Ryan. I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for for having me today. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, it's going to be really, really cool. You said that you just came out with a new book. I wanted you to mention that because it sounds fascinating and it's some stuff that I'm starting to lean into a little bit, even though I was a big Trumper in the beginning. So what was that book? Thank you so much. I, I was a big Trump fan too. Um, the, my latest book is called The End of Globalism, How the Rothschilds Used Donald Trump as a Trojan Horse to, to Deceive Patriots, Perpetuate Color of Law Governments and Central Banks, and Rig Elections to Keep the Failing Plan for World Tyranny and Global Pillaging on Track. So basically what the book does, it go, goes back to how uh, Trump was was um, groomed since the, the mid-1980s to play the role that he ultimately did on the world stage, which was to lead us away from where we needed to go. It was, he was actually part of this wider a new, new world order agenda. I mean, I, I can't agree with you more on that, honestly. And Jason and I have spoken about this. Jason, where, where did you stand when Trump first stepped in? Were you, were you kind of like on board with that whole thing or were you skeptical when, from the beginning? Well, I'm always skeptical, but at first it sounded, it sounded good it's to talk, you know, the way that they talk. Obama did the same thing. They mm -hmm. come in and talk about all these things that they're going to do. You know, he was, he was, um, you know, pretty much removing and distancing us from China, which I think was all a, uh, a mirage. And uh, especially as we can see now with the warp speed. But, um, you know, I was, I was on board at first, but I'm still skeptical. That's why I was doing my research. And it didn't take me maybe six months to a year before I was the enemy of all the Trump supporters. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, and I mean, it, it's kind of a, included. it's a lonely spot to be when you don't support either side of the aisle. Right. So it's just kind of a fun, yeah. Uh, yeah. fun little spot to be in, but also kind of scary. But, um, and Susan, that's what you talk about with a lot of different people. I mean, uh, I want to jump right into the whole idea of um, Tulsi. I mean, she is someone that really seems like one of these Trojan horse candidates, as you were talking about, um, what made you kind of look into her in the beginning? Because she's such a pleasing figure, right? I mean, she, she's got everything. She says the right thing. She's an attractive lady. Seems like the go-to candidate for someone that would be trying to set us up. She does. She is. And, and um, I, I was very impressed with her, too, because she's very well-spoken. You know, she's an attractive lady. She presents very well um, and seems to be on the side of the people. Um, but, but I was um, a little skeptical because they were promoting her um, at CPAC. And CPAC used to be, um, it's a grassroots organization for traditional conservatives. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew that she had supported uh, Bernie Sanders in the past, Bernie Sanders being a communist. So that raised uh, some red flags with me. Um, and then I began to look into her. I saw that she was a Hindu, and which is a little unusual. Like, why would a um, group that is um, promoting Judeo-Christian values bring on a Hindu to kind of champion those th same things? And um, Hinduism, uh, I, I, you know, I of course, uh, you know, accept all. You know, I'm not critical of religions or. or people have a right to believe what, what they want to believe. I'm not trying to disparage Hinduism, but um, the Hinduism is the, uh, it's one of the religions of the elite. So you're looking at like, if you can imagine that the Rothschilds and the Vatican ultimately con control the world through the global trust. Um, 
they for, for, for centuries, um, their merchants and merchants who've surrounded the Vatican have had deep commercial ties to East and Central Asia. And they have adopted these kind of Central Asian and, and East Asian religions involving the rituals of blood rituals um, and so forth. And they're a little bit occultic and pagan and um it's actually the the, one of the part of the basis of the rational enlightenment which is the foundation of communism marxism it's essentially it's very like materialistic at its core and that um you should uh pursue wealth and power in a very rational systematic way um while uh, pushing aside any sense of, of morality, of empathy, of humanity, you know, you're, you should be rationally committed to your own self-interest at the exclusion of other things. So when I, I guess when I saw that she was um, a Hindu, that, you know, it concerned me a little bit um, that they were promoting her because it, that is the religion of the elite. Um, and I also know that reformers, um, are, tend to be pushed as like the person who will voice the grievances of the people and to get the people behind them and then they continue the agenda as before. So I thought she might be, you know, a reform candidate like Ross Perot, um, John McCain, and among others who are very establishment at the core. Well, and you, I think it was you that said that uh, Hindus, rather than praying to uh, gods opening themselves up to positive energy. And again, we know, you know, no one is disparaging any religion. There's obviously good people on all religions. Um, even there's some great atheists out there. My cousin, my old co-host was an atheist, good guy down to his core, but, uh, just has some goofy beliefs in my opinion, but you know, we don't fight over it. I don't want anything bad to happen to him because of what he believes in. But, um, you know, it seems like these folks on the Hindu side, knowingly or unknowingly they open themselves up to negative energy as you i believe it was you that said to progress themselves or to progress what they think is true down to their core is that correct um somewhat and i'm not a hindu expert but my understanding is that there's like a difference between like maybe how a christian would approach meditation and how a hindu would so a christian wants to become closer to their creator um a hindu would um uh a sort of clear their mind of all things so that something else can come into them. Like, a, you know, they can become possessed by a different type of spirit. And um, I believe within their religion, they also kind of have an aspiration to becoming gods in and of themselves, reaching higher levels of consciousness, you know, through, through the, the, you know, their meditation practices. Yeah. These are through the, uh, the tantrics and uh, the, the mantrics as well, I think are the two. And um, there's there's this really interesting sect of uh, Hinduism called the Agoras, and they believe in like doing meditations in crematoriums. And traditionally in Hinduism, the the crematoriums are where like evil spirits hang out and ghosts and things like that. So if you're meditating in this area and you're opening up your consciousness for something to enter it, it may feel like it's a positive entity, but it's going to be one of these evil spirits from my research. And I've only been researching this for a little while, but I mean, these agoras, they believe in a lot of dark stuff. They don't, they, they believe God's in everything. Um, whether the God that they believe in is Shiva, which is actually the one that they really follow. Um, it seems that, uh, you know, you can't distinguish the positive from the negative in, in this sect of, of Hinduism. And again, it seems like the one that a lot of these elites follow. And, um, whether you're eating a corpse or you're eating like an actual meal, there's no difference in the Agora's minds, which I found really interesting. And you see a lot of this kind of, you know, occult worship type stuff going on in the elites, right? So, you know, whether it is the, the you know, adrenochrome type stuff, which I don't know where you stand on that, Susan, do you believe that some of these, or do you lean towards the idea that some of these people kind of partake in some of those weird kind of more out there things? Um, I, I think it's it's possible. Um, I I know that um, in Central Asia, um, that they did they did have rituals going back hundreds of years, where by um, once they slaughtered uh, their rivals, they would they would cannibalize on them because they would be kind of taking their energy force through that cannibalization, and that helped them establish themselves as dominant over their victim. So there were those practices did exist. I, I don't know the extent to which they're prevalent among our ruling classes, but I do know that that was part of the kind of elite or, um, tradition. Okay. So you really get more into the the stuff with the paper trail 
and the things that you can prove with actual like so obviously we can't really prove that any anyone is partaking in like the adrenochrome drug right we, we can't factually prove that but a lot of your research you can actually prove true and and um i i don't want to go around and and, and you know falsely accuse people um sure. i know that it, it's you know it's, it's so prevalent today you know where a lot of people will say oh this or that one it, it engages in some type of adrenochrome activity and that kind of weakens the um the validity of it like if, if you're too many people are, are accused but it, it could very well be and I, I know that at the elite levels they definitely are involved in demonic uh types of activities and the, these different blood rituals so mm. I, I think you know it is possible yeah, you know, speaking to the the whole idea of like discrediting, did you see in New Hampshire and I think Massachusetts there was a lot of QAnon postage cards going around trying to like wake people up to the whole QAnon movement? Uh, I I did not. And if, if I could ask you, do you um do you still hold do you still support the QAnon movement or no? No, I do not. You do not. Okay. Do you? Um, I, I do not, uh, I, I found it curious at first. I was never really a supporter. Um, but I think it's definitely a, a psychop that is coordinated, uh, out of Florida, actually out of Jupiter Island, if I could put it directly. Jupiter and, and Island. The, that, that was the, um, the Island where Avril Harriman, um, uh, set up the, uh, the infrastructure for the national security state with Bush. So that's where everything is coordinated out of. It's at five miles away from uh, Mar-a-Lago. And um, there was a Q division within uh, the, the, the Trump White House. So I think this was all kind of coordinated. Like there was a psych out there trying to um, keep people uh, kind of distracted with Nisera. Like they are pr- promising Nisera and, and reform. But meanwhile, there was a different agenda going on. So I think QAnon was, you know, was a psych out. Okay, so it looks like, yeah, uh, Jupiter Island, if I'm seeing it correctly, it's to the west of Florida, right? Um, it's an island, part of Florida, of course. Um, uh, Eric Trump lives there. Les Wexner lives there, coincidentally. Oh, no, okay, so Les Wexner, the guy that was, you know, the 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 founder of Victoria's Secret, correct? And like tied in with Epstein? Correct. So not only what did he have uh, some property in New York, which he gave to Epstein, he lives in the same area as uh, as Eric Trump. And uh, wow. OK, that is very interesting for sure. And so you think that this directly has a connection to QAnon and like it was basically everything was just tied in with uh, with Trump. And that's the whole reason that it started. It it, it did. And um, I, I think that, uh, well, since the, um, the the 1980s, um uh, when a class action had unearthed um, massive fraud within the banking banking infrastructure, um, attorneys, among others, had discovered that um, our governments were set up as color of law and that there was massive you know, fraud within the financial system. So there's been this effort to kind of bring forth Nisera and a reform of our government and restoration of integrity within our financial institutions. And um, once these, um, the, you know, the information that, that they're bringing forward is acknowledged, the New World Order would essentially be dead on arrival. So the Bushes have been among the greatest um, oppositions to Nasera and to this agenda. So I, I think that they were the ones who kind of set up this QAnon movement. And I, and I believe, well, there, there are a few other factors, too. Um, I don't want to get too much off track. But in 2015, the Rothschilds 200-year control, a contractual um control of the crown was set to end so that was going to open them up to other vulnerabilities and then trump was able to come in as as president to kind of appear that he's kind of making the reforms necessary while really doing something else wow so there was actually someone that was trying to set up this nasara nasara um and that's like tied in with the nasara jacera thing that if i'm correct right is that what you're speaking of Yes. Now, there's a lot of misinformation, um, a lot of it which is being pushed by the, the Bush political machine. Um, some of these uh, disinformation agents have actually named a company Nasera, which also confuses matters. Um, <laughs> you nice. know, so there's a bit of disinformation. Um, what you'll see is that if you research the true Nasera, um, you'll find a lot of very fa- good factual information that is well researched, but you won't find any evidence. And I believe that the reason for that is that it was put under court seal. But what you will see is that each point that they make um, in terms of like different developments that were happening, that were pushing this forward, you will see that there's a counteraction from the deep state. 
like where they're trying to, you know, they're trying to, to suppress it. How do you follow this stuff? I mean, it seems so insanely complex that, you know, there's, there's PSYOP on top of PSYOP. It, do you have a, a decent idea in your mind who would actually be, is there any politicians that are actually good and like trying to do the right thing by the people? I, I think there, there are very few. Um, if you can imagine that, you know, our, our federal government is essentially a corporation um, that contracts with the Vatican to produce products and services for them in which the taxpayer um, subsidizes. So we're left holding the bill for their contracts that, that they provide. Um, they really answer ultimately to the Vatican and not to be the people. So it, it really is, is less of a corporate, less of a government more, and more of a corporation. Um, and I think most of our politicians are, are bought and paid for. Okay. I would definitely agree with that for sure. I mean, so do we think that there's a possibility of these two presidents idea, or is that going to be a thing in the, in the future where like, let's say in this case, you know, the populist people would be thinking that, that Donald Trump is actually the president of the country, the United States country. And Joe Biden is the president of the United States corporation. I've heard that theory getting thrown around. I just don't see it though. I don't see it either. Um, I think where they're moving is that you you can opt out of the system by joining one of the state assemblies. You can become like American national. Um, I don't think that that Trump is the second the you know the second president. Um, I think the second White House is on Jupiter Island or it's being coordinated there. Um, and I, I think that uh, there was this kind of effort to kind of keep the New World Order on track as long as possible. So they're still trying to kind of push it along, even though more disclosures are, are becoming available. So I don't think that the Trump was actually trying to um, correct the New World Order. He was just trying to convince us that he was long enough, long enough for them to implement what they wanted to implement. So essentially every single piece of this evidence that makes us feel like we're getting a little closer to like getting things back the way that most of humanity would want it, um, you know, lower taxes, uh, you know, freedom in all, all different kinds of senses, all this information that's being put out is just completely contrived. It's, it's all set up to make us think that we're getting closer to what we'd actually want. I, I think you you need to uh, research everything that they tell you. Don't take anything at face value. So, for example, um, they told us that they were um, nationalizing the Federal Reserve. That's great because you know the Federal Reserve has is you know a large part of the problem. But what they they didn't tell you is that the the Federal Reserve was um, rechartered under uh, under the IMF, which is essentially a. Um, uh, a united an organization of the United Nations. So by putting the Federal Reserve under the control of the Treasury Department, they've essentially politicized the Fed. Um, they're now able to, um, you know, uh, they're like, they're, I know that there are new parameters that were put in place where they can print now unlimited amounts of money for the corporations. Uh, the corporations are not obligated to reinvest that money in the people. There is no cap on the CEO pay. Um, so essentially, the Fed has become much more politicized and is able to control the market in such a way as to either boost or weaken the political prospects of whoever holds office. Wow. But this was an agenda that they had, you know, years before Trump even came into office. I think it was in 2013, uh, they were talking about nationalizing the Fed. So it was part of like the next step that, that they had to do. And in order for them to do that, they have to kind of acknowledge all the failings of the Fed, which we can agree with. But then they they take that information and they kind of move it to a direction that serves them rather than we the people. But it's meant to obviously look like it's going to serve the people, right? And I mean, that's the only yes. way that they can really get it done, it seems. Correct. You're correct. Yes. Huh. Man, it is crazy. It seems like it's so difficult to follow. You know what I mean? And it, I think that that is obviously by design. But um, yeah, let's move into this this stuff that we actually you know set out to talk about. There's just so much I could talk to you about, Susan. This is insane information. It's really good. Um, so Tulsi, right? I mean, we kind of touched on her a little bit. Um is there anything else that you kind of wanted to throw on top of, of, you know, why she's put in this place and, and all that good stuff? Um, I, I think she's, uh, she was a member of the council of foreign relations. And if, if memory serves, I think she was also working on either intelligence or national security issues um, um, on Capitol Hill. So I, I think she has the right credentials, you know, to be, to be a, a you know, solid leader. And obviously young global leader, right. Um, 
Is that is that true or is that disinformation? Because you see a lot of back and forth on whether Putin was involved with that organization, too. That's interesting. Um, the, I know that um, that going back, like going back to Putin, that um, Russia was able to break free from the so you know from the Bolshevik control um, in like the late seven, late nineteen seventies, early nineteen eighties. But um, I have some questions about Putin uh, because he his background was KGB, which is intelligence. He was also the grandson, I believe, of a maid or a, a servant who worked in the Rothschild mansion. So that leads me to believe that he might be a Rothschild bloodline. Um, and I was also very disappointed to see that within Russia, so much of the wealth has, has consolidated in very few hands and that the people are desperately poor. So I would think if he were a true Christian leader, as he's making himself out to be, those types of dynamics wouldn't be in play. Wow. So let me ask you this. If we're going to talk about Putin potentially being a Rothschild bloodline, um, are you talking along the same lines as like a Hitler type where, you know, Maria Anna Schickelgruber was a maid for a Rothschild? I think it was Solomon, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then this is where they have a Lois or Alanis, whatever his name is. Do you yeah. believe in that theory? Yes, I do. Wow. Think, okay. Yes. And Joseph Stalin was also a Rothschild bloodline. So as was Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton is too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so it seems like all these world leaders are just uh, buddies and if not their cousins, right? I mean, it's kind of undeniable if we're going to actually follow this. Yes. And, and that's a key part uh, to understanding the, the bigger picture. Um, it, um, essentially, the Rothschilds want to keep the money and, and power within their own family. So they marry each other and then uh, they will um, mate with the, the maid or somebody, you know, a servant of theirs. Um, once that person beca- uh, becomes impregnated, they, they send them away and then they say, provide support uh, through um you know, private means. And then eventually when that person is ready, they will elevate them to a position of power. So it's like all doors magically open before them. They have the support they need at the right time, the right training, and then nobody suspects the Rothschild hand. I would imagine a lot of this stuff is in Royal Blood Lies, right? One of your books? Yes, it is. It's in uh, also in Tartar Treachery. But yes, I, I do document that. Yeah, I'm going to have to, I really do need to get into both those books for sure. I'm going to you know, have to listen to the audio book or something. I, I can never freaking sit down and read an entire book. Like I got the ADD, ADHD probably. But um, yeah, no, it, it's uh, some incredible information for sure. Jason, you have anything you want to add so far, man? You've been quiet over there. You're muted. You're muted. <laughs> yeah, I'm just listening to y'all. Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting. So, so where do we see Tulsi in the whole bloodline thing? Have you made those connections yet? Is she tied in with the Rothschilds potentially, or some other elite family? That that I don't know. Um, I, I think she's definitely an establishment candidate. Um, okay. so I, I think if she were to become elected, she would carry on whatever agenda they wanted you know to advance. Interesting. So. With the Hinduism stuff, uh, Jason, you know, why why would it trip you out if uh, if Tulsi was a Hindu? Just because you you do some pretty good research on that stuff. Because just for one, knowing how the United States is, um, how every president, including George Washington, uh, you know, the Freemasons, they would um, pretty much consider themselves gods. They would go through the ceremony of the phallus in the dome as you can see the monument the state capitol and they would do a certain ceremony as above so below and they would believe that they were literally taking bell inside of them or you know the, the spirit of osiris inside of them and uh to, to to have a hindu that makes it even more uh wild because that's what they do you know that's uh shiva's the yogi the yogi god the yoga and what they would do is they would try to open up their third eye. And when this third eye opens up, it would manifest uh, demons pretty much. Um, I don't have my computer in front of me, but I posted something uh, a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago about uh, there was a, a demon in Indra or something. I, I'll try to pull it up. Okay. Um, I can look I it up too. His, yeah, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Here it is. Um, Indra. So Indra, um, which I believe is a Hindu version of Bel, the fertility storm god. Um, he goes by the name of Zeus, Jupiter, Thor, Piran, and he's the god of uh, lightning, 
Storm. He's a storm god like Bell. And the king well, it says right away here too. He's the king of gods. Yeah, he's he's and he was um. Let's see. There was Indra, and then there was um. Uh, he was mad at he was mad at Indra, and then Shiva. Oh, Shiva he, was so mad at Indra. He, yeah, Shiva disguised himself as an old man or whatever. And then he got right in the way of their pathway whenever they were riding by on their chariot or whatever. And Indra being so angry, the anger entering his eyes or whatever, Shiva got mad and was going to smite him. And his third eye opened up. And right before the, right before he hit uh, Indra with this fire coming out of his eyes, the third eye opens up, he turns away and he, he puts the fire into the ocean. And then a little boy, a young boy was manifested from his third eye. And until he was killed by Shiva, because he was a really evil demon. Um, I can't pronounce his name, man. It's, it's Jala, Jalahandra or something like that. Or it's probably pronounced differently, but, um, he, uh, he was stopped, murdered by Shiva for the crimes that he had done. And then it went back into his, his third eye. So they believe in manifesting demons. They believe uh, doing yoga. Uh, there's a Ganesha yoga. There's a Halahandra Hala uh, yoga. There's all these different demons. And it, it literally reminds me of the 72 demons that Solomon controlled uh, with the seal of uh, the Solomon's key. Uh, it's, it's almost like they're manifesting these demons and they're allowing them to come inside of them. So it's a, it's a, it's a form of black magic. So when, to think that Tulsi Gabbard could be in the White House and actually bring that spirit of Osiris into her, that would be very, that would be crazy because of the Shakti uh, feminism that's being pushed right now. So yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of wild from my perspective. Do, do you, Susan, do you actually think that Tulsi will, will get to the White House or do you think that she's just there literally just meant to siphon votes? That's a good question. Um, I don't think um, there are really any strong candidates on either the left or the right right now. Though I think um, Elon Musk may potentially become um, the Republicans' pick, Republican pick. Um, I, I think she would be um, uh, probably not the Republican nominee. I think she would likely siphon votes because she would not obviously not be the, on the Democratic uh, pick. So she would probably be, probably be siphoning votes from whoever would be you know the Republican nominee. Kind of like Bernie Sanders. Yeah. yeah, it seems like Bernie Sanders. I mean, I would say that he probably siphoned some votes from from Hillary. Right. I mean, yeah. that's what it seemed like to me. Maybe a few from Trump. Um, you know, the Bernie bros and the, the QAnon people kind of have some similar properties to them. But it's um, it's weird to think about for sure. Now, you really don't think that if Trump ran in 2024, Susan, that he would just dominate the Republican side of things? Uh, to, to be honest, uh, Ryan, I, I think I think that a lot of people are very disappointed with Trump uh, at this point. I, I don't think that he has the same momentum uh, behind him that he once did. Um, and uh, though I, I, know, I know that his fundraising prowess is still like he's still a great fundraising machine. He's generating a lot of revenue um, through, you know, uh, through his campaign uh, rallies and so forth. But I, I don't think that he has the support that he once did. And I, I certainly don't think the establishment would allow him to run again. To your point, um, Nancy Pelosi is a phenomenal fundraiser, too. I mean, she does a great job raising money, but she could never become president unless it was through impeachment processes. Right. I mean, um, what you, when, when you and I spoke on the phone, when, when we first, you know, kind of introduced ourselves, um, you were saying you kind of opened up the conversation right away. You're very disappointed in Trump. And I think that that's kind of, you know, echoing what a lot of people are feeling. Um, but do you want to kind of elaborate on that? Why you would be uh, so, you know, disenchanted with Trump as of lately? Um, I, I think that the Trump promised us the world and he made the people believe that they really had a, a savior in the White House. Um, when I kind of delved into the, the politics and behind his administration and the agenda behind his rhetoric, I can see that he was actually working against what he was publicly espousing and that the, his um, messaging what was scripted and it was intended to deceive the people. So um, I, I really think that he should never run again. He shouldn't be anywhere near the White House. It wasn't just that he was deceptive, but he was um, 
using the public office to, to line his own pockets. Um, I think that the agenda that he unleashed was very dangerous and has done our, our country trem tremendous damage. Um, even though he was like blaming different things on, on the Democrats, I, I think that ultimately um, uh, the Trump administration was was behind most, if not all, of the, the negative things that were transpiring on his watch, um, including the the rate, uh, you know, the different um, clashes between the alt right and the alt left. Um, he was. Um, uh, I think he's a, a long, a long time friend of, um, who is that fellow? Oh, Al, Al Sharpton, <laughs> um, going back decades. Um, he's, he also had one, at one point considered Oprah to be a potential vice president of his. Oprah came out during his administration, you know, to promote, you know, the idea of, of um, white supremacy and that, you know, that the whites needed to be, uh, challenged and chastised. And if you look into Stephen Miller, um, he was um, following um, a book, I, I can't remember the name, I think it's called The Camp of, of Saints, um, in which uh, minorities overwhelm uh, the uh, Judeo-Christian Europe and eventually conquer um, those lands. And if you follow the, the, the plot of that book, it, it um, th those elements happen almost point for point during the Trump administration, like they were actually setting out to destroy the um, the United States, and there was a script that they were following. What was the author's name? I, let me see. It's called The Camp of States. Let me see if I can find it. Okay. I was going to try and Google it right here with the author. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that, uh, you know, when it comes to Trump, it is a, an interesting little dynamic because, you know, you mentioned something about the 80s and how he was really groomed back then. Um, he was the the head briefly of uh, Resorts International, right? That's like part of Permindex where allegedly, uh, you know, JFK's assassination was planned in a Permindex uh, institution or, or building. And, um, you know, you have um, what's the guy's name? Uh, help me out here, Susan. You know the guy's name. Uh, uh, freak, it's like um, Meyer Lansky, right? Meyer Lansky, yes. Yeah, so he he is a very interesting character, and Trump is very tied in with him. That's correct. Um, so, uh, just to go back uh, real quickly, it's called The Camp of Saints by Jean Raspail, um, R-A-S-P-A-I-L. Um, and yes, so Meyer Lansky, uh, he was, um, a Bush CIA asset, um, who was used to, uh, train assassination squads, um, against, uh, the Cuban government. Um, he was also a founder of the National Crime Syndicate. Um, and he had partnered with, um, Tibor Rosenbaum, who was a major, uh, backer, financial backer of Resorts International, along with, uh, David Rockefeller and Edmund de Rothschild. So, you know, they're all kind of in there together going back to the eighties. Yeah. It seems to be, that that's a reoccurring theme here. And I think a lot of people know that, but yeah, these Rothschilds, it's hard to, uh, if you go back far enough, it seems like everything kind of leads to them. Right. I mean, uh, it, it seems hack kind of to talk about them, but you know, they're, they seem to be at the top of all this stuff. Do you think there's anyone higher up than the Rothschilds as far as like the power structure? Um, I, I think it would be like, there, there was like a, a, a group of them within the Vatican, but I believe that the Rothschilds, um, since they were able to acquire control of the Vatican and uh, and the British crown and have been able to um, take over uh, and, and topple governments through through war, endless war and revolution, I think they have managed to put themselves in, into positions of power throughout the world. And of course, they also control the central banks, you know, and through the, through the control of money, they control the governments. So I do believe that they have managed to put themselves into a position of, of I, I don't know if they're the number one, but they're pretty close to it. Interesting. I mean, I would agree. It's, it, you always see that the, the pyramid with like the, the committee of 300 and then the 13 families and all those things. And it's like, no one really knows who's at the top of that. So that's the only reason I was asking. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, real quick? I want to, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Ron DeSantis and, and then obviously some other politicians, but have you been following this whole Eric Greitens thing that's going on? Do you think he's a good candidate or have you looked into that? Uh, I haven't followed him too closely. What are your thoughts on him? Like, what do you think? I don't know. There's a really interesting podcast that I enjoy a lot and it's not really uh, conspiratorial in nature. They've been kind of dabbling into it a little bit. Um, but it, the host of the podcast is a guy named Andy Frisella, 
and he runs a really, really successful business called First Form. It's like supplements and all these things. And he does a number of other things. He's in the, the, the cannabis business and he's just kind of becoming a mogul, right? He's a very, very wealthy dude. Um, pretty inspirational story. Um, I don't know the guy, so I'm not going to say it's true or, or false, but he's friends with this guy and he actually had him on uh, the other day and they're doing a four part series. And he says a lot of good things, but he's one of those characters where kind of like how you were saying DeSantis doesn't really do anything to change things. He just really stands up hard for conservative values, right? Like the whole don't say gay bill, which the word gay doesn't even appear in that bill, if I'm not mistaken. It's kind of a horrible name for that bill. Um, but then, you know, he, he's really against the mask mandates, just taking these hardline conservative uh, positions. Um, but seems like a populist candidate. And I think that whenever someone is really hard right or left, all that they're doing is they're they're furthering the agenda of the division of the country is what it seems like. I agree agree with that. And and I think these social issues are so easy to rally uh, the parties behind. Um, And I think we we see that in the, uh, the conservative and liberal media as well, like where the conservatives will will take on the social justice warriors and they have their own kind of mockery of those issues, but then they're not really um, advancing um, the, the, you know, the the cause of of freedom or integrity in governments. It's just like they're pitting the, pitting both sides against each other, against the middle. Well, yeah. And then, you know, wasn't uh, Ron DeSantis, he was a Navy SEAL, right? And I think that uh, Eric Greitens was too, you know, you just see kind of a real similarity between Ron DeSantis and Eric Greitens but Greitens is much less known. You know what I mean? He's just kind of blown up because of this controversy, which has fallen through completely the same way that Trump's is, by the way. I mean, you know, Trump is getting hit with controversy after controversy and nothing sticks. That That's true. Um, though I think he does have a lot of, uh, I mean, he is under investigation on a number of fronts now, isn't he? Yeah. And then he's yeah. suing Hillary Clinton for $24 million and he'll probably win that. You know what I mean? It's just a weird situation. Have you heard of that, Susan? I, I have. Um, I haven't followed the case, but yes, you're right. He, he is trying to sue Hillary Clinton. And I, I don't know if that's for show or, you know, what, what he's trying to accomplish you know, with that. Because at the end of the day, he and Hillary are, are friends. Yeah. So it's kind of an odd thing to do. Well, it seems like money laundering to me, you know, like the whole thing. There's a ton of money laundering going on. And it's a, it's a, obviously it's a consolidation of wealth. It's just interesting. It'd be interesting to find out where all that money's going. I mean, Fortnite, the video game raised like $144 million for Ukraine in like two weeks, which is, that's an insane amount of money, really, just by by raising it from a bunch of kids. You know what I mean? Mostly kids play that game. Obviously, there's all kinds of people that play it, but um, you see a lot of money just being put all over the place. And actually something that I was going to talk about in my little news show today, um, you know, we were talking about Florida a little bit. Um, have you heard of the Pandora Papers? I, I have not. What is that? Um, have you heard of them, Jason? No, I haven't. I'm from Florida, but not. Well, so it's not anything to tie in with Florida, but the Pandora Papers list all of these really elite. It's kind of like a um, like a black market version of the Forbes rich list, right? Like the richest people on on they get listed on Forbes. Um, but the Pandora Papers list, like drug dealers, uh, sex workers, um, politicians, all these kinds of things. Um, not that I'm comparing, you know, criminals and politicians. We wouldn't want to do that, but. Uh, you know, they on, on the Pandora Papers, they say that Vladimir Zelensky, the president of, of Ukraine, just bought a thirty five million dollar mansion in uh, Florida earlier this year in February. So he owns a property there, thirty five million dollars. And then also a billion uh, billion dollars in uh, offshore accounts. So, I mean, that's that's a weird, weird situation there, because, I mean, Ukraine is a very poor country, similar to Putin. Right. I mean, these these guys are probably alike in more ways than one but uh yeah you just see this whole this whole dynamic of uh of this dude that i mean that money is clearly getting laundered to him because he didn't make that money acting you know what i mean that's a lot of money so you know what's going on with this laundering here it's it's becoming more and more prevalent that, that's very true um I, I don't know if you caught a true news but a, a few days ago um rick wiles had had said that uh um, Israel wants to make Ukraine like the the second Israel. Like they're trying to. This was the home of the, of the Khazars, and so they they want to recapture uh, Ukraine, you know, for for their own uh, sphere of influence. Hmm. I could see that. I saw that somewhere too. Um, 
yeah, it's just it, it's a weird development that we see there, and just nothing is real. It seems. I mean, you've got you know Russian neo Nazis, and you've got uh, Ukrainian neo Nazis, but all the focus is on the Ukrainian neo Nazis. So it's like you know, why aren't we talking about the neo Nazis in Russia? Um, I don't know. It, it's so confusing, and it's almost like one of these things that we're supposed to talk about. You know what I mean? It feels like that. And then, you know, I don't know, maybe we're kind of feeding into the whole propaganda by even speaking on it, but it's true. It's just weird. It's weird. But I I think, um, I think you you spoke, you know, on point about the the money laundering and and going back to, uh, to Lansky, Uh, Lansky uh, used compromise uh, as a weapon. He, I think he mentored Roy Cohen, who in in turn um, helped um, create uh, Jeffrey Epstein, who was, you know, a a key to this uh, compromise operation. And Lansky, uh, one one of his front groups provided some early seed money for the casinos. And it's like through these casinos, um, we have like this um, a bottomless pit of money that's being generated um, within Indian country in particular. There are hundreds of casinos around the country. Um, most of them were created with seed money from the federal government. They were meant to uh, provide uh, housing and, and welfare you know, for, for the, the natives, but a significant portion of that is redirected into big business. It's funding the mergers and acquisitions department of Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley. And um, I think that a lot of our money is being siphoned and redirected through through these government contracts, through casinos. Um, and I think it's winding up in the hands of these oligarchs, you know, that we're seeing all over the world, billionaires overnight, trillionaires sometimes. Well, and that's kind of where DeSantis comes in too, right? He's been really helping out. I heard you speaking on this. Um, am I correct that he's tied in big time with the, with the native tribes and all that, uh, you know, the Rothschilds and, and just kind of perpetuating that same system? Um, he was a, uh, he, he negotiated one of, the, I think, the historically, or most, the largest uh, casino compact in the history of the United States uh, with the Seminole Tribe of Florida. Um, and just to provide some uh, background on, on that tribe, um, Donald Trump was an early uh, investor in, in the Seminole Tribe's casino. Um, um, it, uh, this was a casino that provided the, the precedent for all the other casinos around the country. Um, the Native American tribes are the means through which the, the Vatican, the Rothschilds, like the ultimate a deep state has been tra- projected into the United States, like through the back doors of, of these uh, tribes. Um, and you'll find like a, a nexus of um, these interests pertaining to the Carlisle Group, international finance, international you know, drug trafficking, international crime, all going through the Seminole tribe. So you would think that if uh, DeSantis were truly interested in like protecting the people, he would you know, try to rein in these interests and not essentially help um, uh, international crime further subsidize itself and, and become a bigger menace you know, within the country. Well, yeah, if we're talking about money laundering, I mean, casinos are a huge, easy, easy way to launder money. It's got to be yes, right. Are. I mean, they don't lose. You know what I mean? They're always they're always net positive at the end of every night, probably at the end of every minute, realistically. And it's just, um, you know, do you think that he consciously knows that he's doing this? DeSantis, that is. Um, that's a good question. Um, I, I think probably strategically he's looking at it like, oh, if I can get this, if the casino's behind me, then I can have um, a very strong fundraising apparatus for myself and for, um, you know, the Republican Party. So he um, may not be looking at the background of, of the tribe itself. Really? That, so you're giving him a lot of credit there, but I, you know, you, you know, too much credit. <laughs> I mean, you know so much more about this than I do. It's just, it's a, I think that and maybe I'm overly conspiratorial in that nature where I feel like whenever these, these, you know, high level politicians are, I mean, they're operators, it seems, you know, some are better at it than others, but um, I feel like they, they have to at least know what's going on. And if not, it's, it's irresponsible um, for them to be, you know, kind of perpetuating this gambling system. Jason and I were actually talking about this earlier where, you know, gambling is becoming a staple in the country. I mean, it's reviving tv almost with like sports yeah you know what sports i mean bets, uh, draft draft bets yeah they're it's everywhere now i have friends placing bets on video games i'm like so what you're, you're making four thousand dollars off one game is that yeah just saying who's gonna win the game and what the spread is and it's just two people playing an nfl video game so yeah <laughs> it's wild yeah. stuff man 
Well, and like it's, got NFTs and yeah, there's NFT and, horse racing. It's it's yeah. weird. Like, how does that even work out? And and again, it just seems like money laundering. All and I think that that's kind of what everything goes back down to. And it almost seems like they're running the country like a casino. They're trying to cash out as much as they can before it all goes belly up. I don't know what your thoughts Which are. Which they're that. also causing on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you why got, wouldn't they? China to coming out with the, well, first of all, crypto, crypto, in my opinion, uh, was invented by this, this anonymous user, which was actually, in my opinion, the central banks behind it, because the real rollout, once everybody's accepted this digital currency that can be tracked by every, everything, especially with a supercomputer, uh, people keep forgetting the technology that they have with the D wave computers and, all this stuff that could easily crack, it can easily crack the blockchain. And they've already said it, it'll, it'll do just that. So once everybody's done, done away with cash, gold, silver, all, all this material, like proof of funds that you can hide, bury, as like you're, you're stuck with something you can't, you can't run from. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's a, a total, it's a method of control. And I believe the central banks are behind the CBDC uh, rollout. That's what this is all about. Once they roll out the central bank digital coins, like, China's done already, uh, then they can then consolidate the power into one currency, one world government, uh, or just one pillar is what this is all, all amounting to. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I want to kind of get back to some of the, pol- the political stuff. Um, is there any politicians that really stand out to you, Susan, that are actually like good that you, as of right now that you would think? That's a very good question. Um, I, I, I would say that at, at this point, uh, if they, they were good, they would have a very difficult time be, being elected. Um, because I, I think that mo- at this point that, you know, the politicians are selected rather than uh, elected. Um, they have to pay their dues. They have to um, be, be backed by, by lobbyists who in turn are representing, you know, big business and the major banks. Um, you know, to be honest, nobody really stands out to me as being particularly honest. Um, so not a, not an Eric Greitens, not a Tom Cotton. Um, and I'm not disagreeing. I'm just I, I want to try and, you know, maybe throw some names at you and see what you think. Um, I, I think they, they may start out with good intentions, but in order for them to succeed and prosper, they need to be bankrolled by the machine. And then once they become part of that machine, they lose their independence. And they become, you know, compromised along the way. But, you know, I, I do stand to be corrected. I, I'd love to see, you know, people of integrity um, run and win. Um, and a well, there's the whole system. Even uh, you mentioned paying dues. I don't know if you were speaking literally or figuratively, but there is that that due system that the Democrats at least have. I don't know if the Republicans have it. Um, but, you know, there's a good amount of, of Democrats not paying dues. And this is actually fairly normal. I mean, in 2019, I think it was. Uh, you know, only 11 Democrats had paid their, their election dues. Um, but we saw what happened with that election. Huh? It's about a hundred K right to run. No, it depends. So no, it depends on how, how they're doing it. They have this weird point system and you have to, you know, raise money. Each, each person gets different goals. Um, like Eric Swalwell, he was only supposed to raise like 400,000. He only raised like $1,200. You know what I mean? Um, and those are, those are considered their dues paying, which, you know, I mean, that guy is a total scumbag, um, treasonous in my opinion, but you know, there's, uh, there's weird, weird systems in place. Obviously we all know that, but you know, I don't, I don't understand how we break away from that system at this point. It just seems so ingrained and people fall into the trap of, of wanting to support one side or the other. And I think it's dangerous. You know what I mean? I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Susan, but it just seems like we're lost. I agree with you, Ryan. Um, you're right because they'll, they'll say, "Well, the solution, you know, to corrupt Democrats is to elect Republicans." But you're really talking about the same corrupt system. Mm-hmm. You know, two two wings on the same bird. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you begin to to research uh, the government and the financial system behind it, you will see that the government is color of law. Um, and so I think once we recognize that as a people, we be, we can begin to uh, build something in its place. So I think the system as it, as it exists now is unsustainable. Um, it's being used by the elite to enrich the elite. 
you know, like these are our agents who, who will advance that agenda. They will sign legislation to create more products and services, you know, to generate, um, you know, contract and wealth for, for their, their backers. So they're, 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 they're definitely not serving us. They're serving, you know, the, the, uh, the financial and political elite. Well, and it's interesting that you see so much focus, you know, traditionally on the executive branch. Um, obviously, there's a lot of scrutiny on the legislative branch. And then now there's some weird stuff going on with the judicial. There we go. Susan Bradford killing it as always. Again, a big, big thanks to her. If you're listening, if you happen to be listening, Susan, thanks so much. The rest of our conversation, which is just as killer as this first portion, um, that's over at patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. Your support means the world to me, guys. Thank you so much. Stay safe and stay informed out there. All right.